Hey church family, uh, welcome to another week of Church Online. And uh, before we get started this morning, I just want to pray, so would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you, we praise you God for this beautiful day. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your amazing grace. Lord, teach us to obey your word. Uh, Holy Spirit, guide us uh, as we uh, read, as we study this morning. I pray God that you will convict our hearts to be uh, what you've created us to be, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that it is by your grace that we are saved. It's your name we pray. Amen. One of my passions in life is music, and uh, I like all kinds of music. Uh, my top, I'd say probably my top three favorites are, are like folk music. Uh, I love uh, bluegrass. I love country. I love rock. Um, I know that's four, but anyway, I love music. And one of my bucket list items uh, my whole life has been to see Garth Brooks live. And uh, my wife surprised me last year for my birthday, and uh, maybe it was Father's Day. I don't know. It was one of those. They're so close together. Anyway, uh, I got surprised uh, to go to the Garth Brooks Stadium tour, and I was so excited because I got to go with a few of my good friends, and, and I was just so, so stoked to do that. And it was an amazing experience, um, one that I'll never forget. Uh, but as he was doing his stadium uh, uh, tour last year, he stopped in Detroit and he performed a con uh, concert there. Well, while he was in Detroit, he hit the stage wearing a jersey of retired Detroit Lions running back Barry Sanders, uh, number 20. And, uh, but there's a photo that was taken of him that was posted everywhere. Um, and it was confusing to some fans because there are some fans that thought the name Sanders on the back was actually representing his support for uh, candidate Bernie Sanders for president. And uh, oh, uh, Twitter and, and Facebook just exploded uh, in anger. Uh, people, were, people were just uh, calling him all kinds of names and, and just really, really down, uh, getting down on, on Garth Brooks for for supporting a, a man like Bernie Sanders. And even one response was, good grief, can't you just do what you get paid to do? Why, why does it have to be politics? I mean, these people are just crazy and, and, and just going all over uh, uh, Garth Brooks for this, only to find out that it was a football player. Now, talk about jumping to conclusions. Talk about people looking at something, not really fully understanding something, and just, and just losing their mind. Uh, one of my pet peeves uh, in life is when people go to social media and they begin to rail on people or positions for something without ever looking up the information about what they're, what they're supposed to be upset about. Uh, you see it all the time. People will share things and, and it will be false information or people will share things and, and tell you to boycott this, boycott that, but they don't know the full story. For someone like me, I, I love to read, I love to research. It's kind of uh, PhD fits me perfectly because I love researching. And, and, and when, I, when I see that and I see people just railing on others without doing any kind of research whatsoever about uh, what's going on, it just kind of bugs me. And I think, though, that really creeps up in the church more than what we think. You see, in the church, we get an instant outrage and we make ourselves look foolish because we oftentimes we, we go to people who are in sin or doing things that are contrary to the faith and, and instead of helping them, we condemn them. You see, this is opposite of what Jesus actually tells us we need to be. 
You see, Jesus preaches that we need to be peacemakers for the gospel. But we're often quick to condemn people. So today we're going to look at how Jesus deals with this regarding this topic of judging others. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to be in verses 1 through 6 this morning. It says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, will be measured to you. Why do you seek the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite! First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Now this passage is one of the famous passages people use, uh, I should say misuse, uh, today in our culture. Um, as we have been going through the Sermon on the Mount, we have been taking a, a closer look at the greatest sermon ever. Uh, this sermon is all about what the life of a disciple should actually look like. This is Jesus helping people understand that what it means to follow him means more than just saying, I believe. In this particular passage, he addresses judgment. Now, I know it's a popular thing to say things like, you can't judge me, or only God can judge me. Uh, I've held youth group kids accountable when I was in youth ministry. Uh, I've tried to hold family members accountable, and, and they say, well, you can't judge me. Well, first of all, what if I were to tell you that this passage is not about those things? It's not about not judging necessarily. See, what this pass, passage is really all about is condemnation. Condemnation. You see, it's clear in Scripture that we are to hold brothers and sisters in Christ accountable to their decisions that, that they made to follow Jesus. Just for a couple examples, Proverbs 27, 17 says, Our iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. That's just, just a, a great example of what we are to do for one another. And going in the New Testament, Luke chapter... Um, 17 verse 3 uh, says, Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. Now, those are just a couple verses that we find in the Bible about accountability. However, there's a difference between holding someone accountable in love and bringing condemnation on someone. You see, condemnation is a form of ill intent. Because mankind is sinful, you and I, we can't condemn without ill intent. You see, this is a form of judgment that is an intent on destroying someone's character or their self-esteem. This is judgment based off of self-righteousness. You see, we can't condemn without sin. It was Charles Spurgeon that once said, The greatest enemy to human souls is the self-righteous spirit which makes men look to themselves for salvation. This self-righteousness that we feel often, 
will actually bring about evil. It will bring about nothing but, but ill intent. You see, condemnation will expose someone else's sin as you try to mask your own. We used to talk about in school that, that people make fun of other people only because they're feeling bad about themselves. And I believe this is true even with judgment. When we condemn someone, what we're doing is we're trying to expose their sin. Meanwhile, we're hiding our own because we're bringing attention away from us and onto them. Jesus is clear that we are to, to look within our own lives before we even look to expose someone else's life. We are to look at our own self. So if you are intent on helping someone in the midst of their sin, then you need to be able to see your own clearly. You need to be able to look at your own life and say, what's going on in my life before you can even start to help someone with their own? And I know we do this quite often where we, we tend to think, well, I'm just helping someone, and we're not thinking through what it's actually doing to them. You see, the fact is, to bring accountability is to do so with a loving spirit and a willingness to walk them through it all. I remember being in Bible college. I was a bonehead. I'll be the first to admit it. Uh, I came to college uh, pretty pretty conceited, actually, and and uh, thinking that you know I was I was uh, kind of God's gift to mankind, and I made a lot of friends, but. It was those friends, uh, especially the close friends that I had, that, that sat me down one night in my dorm room. And, and basically what they did is, in a very loving and kind way, told me how big of a jerk I was being. You see, what they did, though, is my brothers were willing to walk with me through the fire. They understood that, that my, my upbringing, my home background wasn't the greatest um, and, and when I got to college, I was, I was trying to find myself. They understood those things. They understood it to a point where they were willing to walk through the fire with me. You see, they prayed with me, and then they prayed for me. They committed to be by my side. And those brothers are still dear brothers to me today. You see, that is accountability. And I have the right to speak that into their lives as well. You see, Jesus chose one of the most sensitive parts of the body to make his point, the eye. If you've ever poked yourself in the eye, it hurts. If you ever get something in your eye, I wear contacts every now and again, my eyes get dry and it just starts to sting. Your eye is a very sensitive part of your body. So just the visual you get of a two by four sticking out of someone's eye while they're attempting to pick the speck out of another's eye is enough for us to realize just how ridiculous that is. Why would we, why would we do that? Why wouldn't we take care of what we have first before we were going to help them to get the speck out of their own eye? But see, this is exactly what the church has done over the years. When we bring condemnation upon people instead of truth and love. You see, the religious leaders in Jesus' day, they were really good about pointing out the sin of others while making their own disappear, masking what they were doing. They were good about embarrassing people and shaming them. Just think about the woman 
that was thrown at the feet of Jesus who was caught in adultery. You see, what happened to her was shameful and it was public. Meanwhile, Jesus comes along and says, those of you that are, are without sin, you cast the first stone. And what happens? They begin to drop their stones. You see, they realize something there that they themselves were not without sin. They had enough of their own to deal with. You see, that's what Jesus is teaching us in this passage. Not to be good about masking our own sin as we call out the sin of other people, but to deal with ourselves so that we can have a clear mind to deal with others. The visual of an eye also teaches us that we must practice love and tenderness. But when you go to the eye doctor, you don't go and, and, and they don't just poke you all over the place and, and do things that hurt your eye. They're very tender, they're very gentle with what they're doing. You see, that's what we need to do, church. We need to be willing to go and to gently tell people truth. We need to be able to help them in love, see what they are to be doing. You see, Paul reminds us in Ephesians 4.15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. You see, because people's lives are so fragile, we must seek to minister with love and tenderness. However, we also should never waver from the truth. And I don't know why we think we can't do both, but we can. We can be truth and love, and at the same time, we can never waver from that truth. We can, we can love, and we can do those things, and we can still stand strong on truth. See, all this can be done correctly once we understand our own faith, faith faults, and we are willing to allow others to bring accountability to us. If you're always the one calling out people of their sin, but you never let people do the same for you, then there's a condemning spirit within you. You need to understand that true accountability goes both ways. See, it's clear that there must be some judgment and accountability in our lives. Jesus talks about not giving dogs what is holy and not throwing your pearls before pigs. What in the world is he saying? You see, as Christians, we are entrusted with the truths of the gospel, with the truths of God's word, and we must regard them carefully. See, according to Jewish law, dogs and pigs were considered unclean. So Jesus is saying that even though we are not to condemn people, we are also not to allow sin to run rampant either. This is what I'm talking about with truth and love. They have to be together. We don't love someone so much that we're willing to let them continue in their sin. But we also don't beat them over the head with the truth so much that we miss an opportunity to love them to Jesus. You see, we have to understand that we're not condemning people. We're holding them accountable. Yes, we carry the gospel to all people, everyone. However, we are not to cheapen the gospel by letting sin go unchecked. You see, we've got to be diligent in discerning 
sin. We've got to be diligent in helping people understand the difference between accountability and condemnation. It takes wisdom and discernment to do that. It takes wisdom and discernment to understand that there is a difference. See, this passage is a challenge to disciples to rightly handle the truth. It's a challenge to bring accountability to fellow believers as you allow them to hold you accountable as well. This is a challenge to reflect on your own life that you may be able to see clearly to help others. Now, you'll never have it all figured out, but you certainly can have a grip on your own life to know where your weaknesses are so that you, as you help others, can clearly help them in a way that's going to bring growth. You see, church, it's time that we, who are caretakers of the gospel, it's time to stop condemning the world and show them instead what the saving grace of Jesus is. There's far more to salvation just saying, than just saying, I believe. It becomes a lifestyle. It becomes everything that you are. It encompasses all of who you are. And along with that is we're going to fail. But as we fail, we're there as brothers and sisters in Christ to lift each other up, hold each other accountable, and build one another up. We need each other. The world needs to see a unified church and that's us. So will you take the challenge of living out your faith in such a way that you will be willing to accept accountability as you hold others accountable for their actions? Let's pray. Father, I thank you and I praise you for this opportunity to come and, and just worship you in this way. And Lord, I just pray for uh, everyone uh, now, Lord, that you would grant them uh, safety or healing, Father, from any sicknesses. I pray, God, that you would protect your children from this uh, virus. But Lord, I pray most of all that you would embolden us, empower us by your Spirit to be bold with the faith. Lord, to bring accountability into our own lives as we are willing to hold others accountable. But Father, never condemning, but always loving. Always loving in your truth. Jesus, we thank you, we praise you for the great gift of life you've given through your grace. And help us as the church to show your amazing grace to a world that desperately needs it. It's your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.